Welcome to Everything Imaginable, the podcast for curious minds on KGRA Radio. And here is your host, Gary Cocciolino. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cocciolino. And before we get started, I would like to thank my contributors to this show. Uh, San- Candice Sanderson is executive producer. Um, Amanda Steele is my senior editor. And Damien Keller, binaural creator. Uh, thank you guys for all your help. And if you are interested in becoming a contributor to this show, just go to my website, www.everythingimaginable2020.com and there's a ton of information there about how you can help support the show. And now, with all that out of the way, without further ado, we have the return of June Lundgren. Thank you for coming on today. Thank you for having me. Did I pronounce the last name right? You did. Phew. I had to do it from memory. (laughs) (laughs) and uh so today we're going to be talking about quite a different topic from what we talked about last time last time we were talking about slaying demons and today we are going to be talking about animal communication um so how did you uh start communicating with animals uh my grandmother raised me my grandma and grandpa raised me for the first five years and I was only a couple of weeks old when um, I was dropped off there. And uh, my grandmother noticed that the animals would sit under my crib and follow, you know, follow wherever I was. And they would, they would sit there and it was like, she could tell they were listening to something. And so she watched that for quite a while to see. And we, she would take me outside and like, they lived in the country on a farm. So all the wild creatures would come around. Mm-hmm. And uh, so my grandmother surmised that I was able to communicate with them. And she wasn't sure whether I would grow out of it or not. But she had she had me for the first five, almost six years of my life. And when I was you know, old enough to be able to talk to her about it, um, she would ask me what they were saying or what I was hearing. And she assumed I was getting like pictures or feelings or something like that. And I had to tell her, no, I said, I hear them like I hear you. And so I've been, you know, doing it ever since. Um, I, we always had a dog when I was growing up. So there was always dogs around or my mom came back to get me when I was about five or six. And, uh, they would, you know, I would always talk to the dogs. And if there was something wrong or something like that, I, my mother didn't want me communicating or using my abilities. So I would have to make something up like I saw this or I saw that, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, they were always wanting to talk to me, you know. And then as I grew up, you know, other people asked me to, you know, check out their dogs, see if there was something wrong or whatever. And it got to the point where I was doing it quite a bit. 
And it's kind of odd because when I first talk to an animal that I've never talked to before, it kind of startles them because a little bit because they can understand what I'm saying and I can understand them. And that's it takes a few minutes for them to get used to the idea. But once they get used to the idea, then it's it's not a problem. They talk to me, tell me what their problem is or tell me what's going on. And it's quite interesting. And I guess there's not that many people that do it the way that I do. But, you know, as long as it helps them, that's the main thing. And so I, I do that whenever, you know, I donate my time to rescues to help with, you know, problems with dogs, dog problems and things like that. The only ones I don't talk to is bugs. I don't talk to bugs because mm -hmm. they don't have a, a uh, good, uh, you know, you've heard the expression, you know, the attention span of a gnat. Well, mm -hmm. yeah, where they got it from, that's for sure. Because so, bugs don't, they have a very short attention span. Interesting. You know, a fish have a little bit more, you know, but still they're often on some other tangent. But for the most part, you know, they'll talk to you when it, when it feels, when they feel like talking to you and not, hmm. not unless. <laughs> I don't try to force myself on any animal. If they want to talk, fine. If they don't want to talk, fine too. So when you communicate with animals, um, like, how does that work? Like, I mean, obviously, there's a huge language barrier there. Not I mean, really. No? Because when, when, uh, when I speak to them, they hear, you know, what I hear is, is myself in English. Mm -hmm. But what they hear is in their own, their own language. I don't know, know quite how that works, but it's kind of like when I hear demons when I understand demons, even though they're speaking in Aramaic. And I never learned that language, but my brain is kind of hardwired to interpret it. So it's a kind of like the same thing with animals. I asked them about that one time and they're like, you're speaking our language. And I'm like, okay, I'm speaking mine, but you're hearing yours. <laughs> so when you communicate with animals, um, like what are their conversations like? Are they intelligent conversations or are they just like, give me food? Most of the time they're, they're quite intelligent conversations. Every now and then you'll get like people, you'll get somebody where the lights are on, but nobody's home. But for the most part, they're quite intelligent. But a big part of that is, you know, their needs. They want to address, you know, this is what I want. This is where I hurt, you know, or... I was called in on by a guy who said, you know, we moved up here from California. And ever since we moved, my dog, you know, the, the alpha dog, has been nipping at my wife and bitter. And I'm like, well, you know, I'll have to come over and talk to him, see what's going on. So I went over to talk to them. And they actually had five dogs. So the alpha was the one, of course, that came forward first. And he's like, you know, she's unstable. She's unstable. Kept repeating, she's unstable. And I said, why is she unstable? Uh, too much, too much worry, too much anxiety. Her energy is all wrong, all wrong. And I'm like, okay, 
So I talked to the woman. I said, well, you know, your energy's wrong. I said, you're, there's some nervousness here. There's anxiety. There's apprehension going on. I said, and dogs are picking up on that. And the only way that they know how to help you is like they do each other. You know, they'll nip at the other one and, and uh, you know, they'll, to make them understand that their energy is bad. You know, your energy is bad. Straighten up, straighten up. And I said, this is what's going on. I said, this is the reason for it. And she says, you know, they're absolutely right. She says, I've been nervous about moving here. Nothing's the same. You know, I, I have a lot of anxiety. Things aren't going well. You know, that type of thing. I'm like, yeah. I said, they're just trying to help you the best way they know how to. I said, now that you're aware of it, then you can change your energy. I said, dogs, animals, and all animals read your energy. That's the energy that you project, that you give off. And I told her, I said, that's why he's nipping at you. He's trying to get you to become stable. And once she understood that, she changed, you know, she caught herself and was changing how she thought and what she was doing. And so she didn't have any more problems with it. It's, it's all about your energy if you can't hear them. You know, your energy that, that you project affects them. If you're worried or you're sad or whatever, it affects the animals. They, you know, people say, well, you know, I'm really feeling down today. And my dog knows I'm feeling down because he came over and gave me sympathy. He sat with me, that sort of thing. And I'm like, yeah, you don't have to say, come over here. I'm down. I'm depressed. They'll feel that energy. They'll read it and they'll come and act accordingly. Mm -hmm. So are animals, are dogs able to communicate with each other or are animals mm -hmm. able to communicate with other species? Like, can my dog communicate with my cat? Um, they can, but it's not, it's not language as we know it. Again, it's the energy, it's the intention behind the other animal more than the quote unquote language. Because they just, you know, they pick up on the other one's intentions, the other one's anxieties or what have you. And so they do communicate. They just choose to most of the time ignore each other. Hmm. But, you know, if they're raised together, that's different. You know, the bond becomes closer, you know, or if you have an animal that's, uh, you know, has been alone all of its life and then suddenly you get a puppy or whatever, you know, that they, they kind of act a lot like people do in the way that they react differently to new situations, uh, changes in their environment, changes in your environment. Say you've been working for 20 years, you go to work every day and they know that, they know your routines. And then that changes and they can become nervous because of that. And then once they realize that you're gonna be home for a while, then they like it. But until then they, they become nervous and apprehensive about it. But they're very, like I said, they're very intelligent. All animals are intelligent in their own way. Uh, like people, some of them choose <laughs> not to use that intelligence. Mm -hmm. You know, they, like I said, each dog has it. Each dog, each cat, each bunny, each cow, they all have their own personalities. You know, some people don't realize that we raised cattle for quite some time. And we had a cow. 
And cattle, just like horses, are either right-handed or left-handed. And a lot of people don't realize that. We had we had a, a pile of dirt out in the back, and the cow. My son's like, "Mom, there's something wrong with the with the cow. I think it's dead, because its legs, all four legs, were sticking up in the ground, up in the air, on the other side of this pile of dirt. It's a huge pile of dirt." <laughs> and uh, I go over there. I said, "No, it's not dead." I pulled on the leg and pulled it down, and the cow got right up. She was right-handed, so she would turn to the right. And if she turns to the right, she's up against a pile of dirt. So she couldn't get herself – talk about being very right-handed. Mm-hmm. You know, She couldn't get herself up because she couldn't roll over to the right. Hmm. Interesting. Um, so what is it that – like, I mean – like domestic animals. Like I have a dog and a cat. Uh huh. What do they think about all day? I mean, to me, it looks like they just think about sleeping and eating. <laughs> a lot of the time they do. Their wants and needs are very simple. Although, you know, like the dog will watch the cat and like watch it and observe it. And it's like you hear the dog saying, idiot, you know, why are you doing that? Or, I have um, I have two pits, mm. and one of them will, one of them will, freeze, and just stare at the other one, and the other one will stare back and start the eyeballs will start twitching. Then suddenly, the first one will run and make a mad dash at the at the other one. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like idiot! I see you. you. Even if you freeze, I see you. You're big. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that's their life is very simple you know we should have such a life you know right. very simple and they have basic needs you know give them love affection give them food and a nice warm place and they're happy hmm. so then what would the issue be with my dog I mean, my dog every time I walk past him uh-huh. he just chews on my leg because he needs he needs more activity. He's probably just laying around all day and he sees you as a chew toy. Hmm. You need to you need to give him something else. You know, carry a bone or carry one uh, one of his favorite toys or something like that and get him sidetracked. Once you start doing that, the behavior will change. Well, that's one of the things that he does. Is he bites my leg mm-hmm. and then he freaks out. And then he'll run to the other side of the room, and he has his hot dog. He loves his rubber hot dog. And then he'll yeah. grab the rubber hot dog and then run around in circles a couple times. Yeah. Like he's, okay, he's, oh, I hear him. He's like, why don't you just play with me? <laughs> I don't understand why you don't play with me. Come on, come on. That's why he's trying to pull on your leg. Hmm. It's like, come play with me. I hear him. He's like, this he doesn't play with me enough. I don't understand. He should love to play. I'm like, yeah, well, not so much. <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny too because, like, sometimes, well, when my cat is awake <laughs> and he, he he goes after my leg, the cat will actually jump between us and try to protect mm-hmm. me, defending you. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, the, the cat's very protective of you. He's also very like, this is my human. What do you think you're doing? Yeah, he thinks he owns me. Yeah, that's the way it is. Cats mostly are that way. Hmm. They have a whole different attitude than dogs do. You know, and then you get you get some dogs who are highly intelligent. They figure things out right away. And then we had a border collie. Oh, yeah, they're She's super very, smart. Very intelligent. But if she didn't get her share of the play during the daytime with one of the other dogs, mm -hmm. it could cause issues. She would, like, try to herd. I had, At the time, uh -huh. I had eight dogs. She would try to herd the rest of them. <laughs> and I, at the time, I had two dobies. And the male was, like, six foot from nose to tail and 200 pounds. And the female was almost his size. And, oh, she hated that. She hated being herded. It really drove her crazy. And she'd, every now and then, she'd get the border collie down and snarl and, you know, show her teeth. But she'd never bite her. But it's like, will you just knock it off? Stop doing that. And I tried telling, you know, I tried telling Beauty. I said, listen, it's instinctive. She can't help it. I said, you've got to give her a break. <laughs> she still didn't like it. You could tell she didn't like it. But it's like she didn't. She, only once in a while would she do that. Would she get her down on her back and growl at her? But hmm. she was a little more tolerant after that. But still, she didn't like it. No, I had a border collie. No, he was amazing. Super they're, smart. They're highly intelligent, but you have to keep them. They're very active. They have to keep busy. They they have to be given a job. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when he was a puppy, like like I, I would have to play with him for at least two hours a day as soon as mm -hmm. I got home from work. Yep, got to wear him out. Yep. Um, how about wild animals like birds? Um, birds are no problem. They, you know, we get. I live on a farm, so we get a lot of birds. We get a lot of uh, deer come in. We have pheasants that come on the farm. You know, we like I said, we raise cattle for a while. I have chickens. You know, chickens are not as intelligent as the wild birds are, probably because they don't have to fight for anything and they don't have to escape predators because they're in a coop and they're fine. But um, wolves are great. I went to, um, in Snino, Washington, there's a place called Wolfhaven International. And, you know, they, they have a lot of wolves that are hybrids that, you know, people just idiots just dump and they have um uh they have some uh wolves that were you know they had some mexican red ones that they were breeding for the breeding program because they're you know becoming ex extinct and i took my son with me and we went to the wolf haven and it was the first time we visited and uh you know i was standing by one of them and i looked I was t communicating with one of them, and a male, and he started to howl. And then that, it, everybody was howling. And the lady comes up and says, this, this never happens. You know, this not like this. This doesn't happen. He never howls. She says, we've often wondered about that. And I said, well, you just have to talk to him, literally. I said, I can communicate with him. That's why. Somebody to finally understand. I said, 
He's got arthritis in the right side and the back, his, on his, his hip, and he's having pain there. It's hard for him to get around. I said, he doesn't show it because that's a weakness, but that's what's going on with him. And so they started giving him some medicine for that. But wild animals, they're cool. You know, you can, I can, I communicate telepathically with them. So when, even in a distance, I can hear thoughts of like bears and cougars and things like that. Hmm. And, uh, you know, you, you make the, you make the connection and then you tell them, you know, stay away from here because there's humans here. You know, need, need to do that. I said, because it's not a good thing for you. Just go back up into the woods. How about, but, humming, yeah, how about hummingbirds? Yeah, we, we get them every now and then. They're kind of cool. Just watch them. And, and you can tell when they, when they hear me because they'll turn around and look. And they'll stay, you know, in flight mm -hmm. at the hummingbird feeder. And they'll turn around and look at me. And I'm like, don't worry about it. I'm not going to hurt you. There's plenty of feed there. Just go for it. <laughs> Interesting. Um, so what is, is the most intelligent animal to communicate with? I think out of all the ones I've communicated with, and, you know, I've been to the zoo and things like that, the most intellectually intelligent one, uh, I would say it was the wolf. Hmm. You know, I've communicated with the cheetahs and the lions, and they're intelligent as well. But the wolf is has that little edge to them that the others don't. But I remember the first time my son is an animal communicator. He's been one since he was a small child. And I remember the first time he saw a picture of Keiko, the killer whale. And from that moment on, he was in direct communication with him. And then, of course, when he came to the Newport Aquarium, we're only a couple hours away from that. We would go every year, every year to see him so that he could talk to him. And I remember when they were going to, you know, set him free. He's like, Mom, he doesn't want to go. He doesn't want to go. He wants to stay here and teach people. And I told him, I said, I know. I know that's what he wants. I said, but humans think this is what he wants. And I can't stop it hmm. and she and he told him that you know he communicated with him and told him you know I'm sorry I can't you know I have no way to help you this is what they're set out they're set on doing and of course you know he didn't live very long uh, that's gonna be my next question about like certain like sea mammals like dolphins whales killer whales um, yeah especially uh, dolphins like they Very seem to actually like humans. Somewhat. Not always. Mm -hmm. They keep trying to teach the humans. But unfortunately, we're stupid. And we don't get it. And they have, they're just very highly evolved. And it's quite interesting. I've gone to Hawaii and swim with the sea turtles and and I've swum with the sharks and stuff like that. And sharks kind of have a one-track mind. Mm -hmm. 
food. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. Food and staying alive. You know, I'm bigger than you are, blah, blah. <laughs> but but uh, the the dolphins are very, very intelligent. And they're, again, they just want to teach man. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to help him understand that most humans are too stupid to understand, unfortunately. But uh, they keep trying. How about octopuses? Yeah, they're kind of they don't they're not that intelligent. Really? They're kind of more instinctual. Their intelligence is based on instinct and you know heredity type of stuff. You know, they're more if they were if if a fish could be an empath, it would be it would be the octopus. They're kind of all about feelings and. It's more like, it's different. It's not like, I love you, you know, that type of thing. No, uh, it's different. It's different feelings. It's the frequency. That's what it is. That's, I guess, the best way to explain it is the frequency that we give off when we're afraid or when we're happy or sad, that type of thing. They pick up on that a lot, and it's overwhelming for them. So they don't really care to be around us. Yeah. Um, I can see that. I saw an octopus once, and as soon as it saw me see it, it just bolted. Yeah, it's like, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so what do – is there a difference in how domestic animals think of humans versus wild animals? Oh, yeah, definitely different. The wild animals – Think of us as as um, aggressors, as you know we're we are in their territory. We do not belong in their territory, and you know they fear us. Uh, they there's a lot of fear of man, unfortunately, and it's probably rightly deserved as well. Because look at all the trophy hunters and stuff like that. Yeah. I personally do not believe in hunting. So, you know, there you go. And then how about the domestic animals? Do they like us? Do they feel like it's their job to be our companions? Uh, the dogs, most of most of it has been bred into them. So the dogs feel like, you know, we're their person. We're supposed to be a part of their pack. We take care of each other. And they're there to help, but you have to make sure that you're the alpha and not them. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. You know, in my house, I am the alpha. And I never have a problem with animals misbehaving or anything. I just talk to them. My my son's like, Mom, you gotta, you gotta be, you gotta be dominant. I'm like, no, I don't. I said, they'll do what I want them to do without me being dominant. Because I don't, you know, I don't believe in that, so. Hmm. Neither of my animals listen to me. In fact, nobody in my house <laughs> listens to me. Cat, my husband dog, says that wife, a lot. Nobody. <laughs> they all just do what they want to do. Yeah, it's like, yeah. But it's, as long as they're not harming anything, I don't care. Or anyone. I don't care. Um, 
it's each each animal is an individual you it's like people each person is an individual it's the same you can't say well this breed of animal this breed of dog is a killer no 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 you can't say that that'd be like saying all humans are killers mm-hmm. you know you people do that people lump them together people classified them because there was an issue or something or it's like a few bad people you know it that's you wouldn't kill people you wouldn't ban the breed because or you wouldn't us because say you wouldn't ban all pink people because you know a few bad ones caused problems or created caused harm or whatever it's the same thing with animals like pit bulls you know they they yeah. They ban the breed. I'm like, no, 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 ban stupid people. It's humans that make animals mean. You know, if the human doesn't inbreed the pit bull because they want blue pit bulls, then the pit bull would not go crazy. It's mm-hmm. kind of like incest in humans. You know, look at Henry VIII. You know, a lot of the English, you know, aristoc- uh, aristocracy inbred. And what do you get? Crazy people. Yeah. The same way with dogs, same way with cats, you know, and they'll blame the animal when actually it's the human that's causing the problem. Hmm. But, you know, I, I don't believe in banning any animal. I mean, a dog is an individual, like my girls, my two pit bulls, their sisters, they'd lick you to death as soon look at you. I mean, there's not a mean bone in their body. And my Dobermans were the same way, and so were my 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 cockers and and my shepherd. You know, it's just I've had two sets of Dobies. You know, it's I, it I don't have an issue. If you treat them fairly, if you are good to them, you know they they're like children. They need boundaries and limitations, and they need uh, they need. Uh, you know, if they do something bad, they need to be taught. This is why it's bad. This is you don't do this because this is what happens. Hmm. Then you're then you're just just like kids Then you're OK. You teach them and they understand, even though they don't understand your words, per se. They understand your intention and they understand where you're coming from with it. OK, if I do this, oh, I get that. OK, so let's not do that anymore. I can see that with dogs. Mm hmm. Not with my cat. Well, the cats are a little more independent. They think they don't need people. You know, they don't need people. They like to do their own thing. And they want to do what they want to do, no matter what the human wants. Mm-hmm. But, you know, because cats are intelligent, you know, you can train them just like you can train dogs. And if you work at it. <laughs> but you have to be consistent. If you're not consistent, they're going to blow you off. Kind of like right. kids, <laughs> teenagers. <laughs> it's like you. You want me to do it? Nah, I'm not. I'm not do, mowing the lawn today. I'm out of here. Like my cat likes to jump up on the kitchen counter and lay there, mm-hmm. and my wife hates it when he's on the kitchen counter. Right. I, I just think it's the funniest thing because he just does it to piss her off. Yeah, he does, and you, and he gets the reward by making by you laughing about it. Yeah, he knows I think it's funny. Yeah, he knows you think it's funny. He knows it pisses your wife off, so he just does it anyway for giggles. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like playing cat and mouse. Mm-hmm. I play one side off against the other. <laughs> it's hysterical. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a genius. 
<laughs> See, they, they watch. Cats are big observers. They really, really observe people and other animals and even, you know, even their prey. Mm-hmm. They obs- they're, they're big ones for laying back and observing, seeing what happens. If I poke you, what will happen? If I swat at you, what will happen? If I turn at my belly, I turn over and show you my belly, what will happen? You know, that sort of thing. Hmm. It's all about observation with them. They're just, uh, they're big on observations. I don't have a cat. I have a barn cat and he comes and goes as he pleases. And of course, I don't have a cat in the house, <laughs> not with the dogs. But uh, I think if you raise them together, it's not an issue. Right. You know, if you if you raise the cat and the dogs together, or if you raise a pig and dogs or a pig and cats, it doesn't make any difference because it's all about you know raising them together. They get used to each other. They're part of the furniture. Mm-hmm. It's no big deal. You know, oh, that's just that's just George over there. Yeah, he's part of the family. Yeah, yeah. So with me, like, I guess I mean I've had my cat now for a long time. I had a cat for. Mm-hmm. Oh. 12 years and we got the dog i guess about a year ago (laughs) (laughs) and and he was a rescue you know he's terrible terrible living conditions for his entire life Oh, and and he's about four years old oh poor thing and uh it's interesting like the um they're actually okay together. Like when the cat mm-hmm. swats at the dog and the cat thinks oh, it's yeah. funny. That's just because it's a pecking order, you know. And uh but when I had my cat I was living with my mom for a while when my mom mm-hmm. was sick and we brought the cat with us yeah. and she had a cat and he was brutal on the other cat. Oh yeah. Ter- they're very territorial. Yeah. Very yeah. much so. You know, with their own kind. I mean, with the dog it's like they can sense what ha- what happened with the dog, even though they can't. The dog can't sit there and tell them, you know, this is what happened. I was like, horrible, you know. Mm-hmm. But they sense the energy and stuff. So he tolerates the dog, and he doesn't mind the dog at all. But you know, he has to learn his place. You know, the the cat's willing, <laughs> more than willing, to teach him his place. <laughs> yeah, the the cats are alpha at the house. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> the cats rule, dogs drool. There you go. Yeah. Um. So, one of the things like I've noticed is is when I'm home by myself with the animals, especially in the uh-huh. afternoon, they like to sleep. They both oh, yeah. take a nap, mm-hmm. and they do it at the same time. The dog and the cat always sleep at the same time, and they both start snoring, mm-hmm. almost yeah. almost like in unison. They do it together. Yeah. They do it together. It's a good thing. And if I'm laying there. It's something that they do as as a couple, so to speak. And if I'm laying there between them, I fall right to sleep. I can't even stay awake. (laughs) It's like they put a sleep spell on me. (laughs) Their energy is so relaxed. Yeah, do they actually. That you pick up on the energy. Your body does. So it's not my imagination to have. No, it's not your imagination. <laughs> they're, they're putting me to sleep. Yeah, yeah. It's not your imagination. Oh, it's time for a siesta. Okay, everybody sleep. <laughs> everybody sleep. That's funny. Yeah, it's not your imagination. It's like when 
uh, the old, I have a 14 year old Springer Spaniel. And when she takes a snooze, the babies go over and nudge her, the pits, they nudge her and then they lay down right beside her and go to sleep. Hmm. It's like, oh, is it time to nap? Okay, let's do it. <laughs> um, do they feel love? Oh, yeah, absolutely. They feel love and loyalty. They feel sadness. Um, people think that animals don't feel the same we do as we do, but they're absolutely wrong. I mean, I had a cow, and she was 13 years old, and which is old for a cow. And she was pregnant, and she lost her baby. And it was delivered stillborn. And she mourned for that calf for uh, must have been a couple of months. And she would go back to the spot where, you know, the cat, the calf had laid and we picked it up and buried it. But she went, would go there every day, every day. Oh. And you could tell she was sad. So, so they, like, so they know the no difference loss. between life and death. Oh yeah, they do. It's the thing is it's with them. It's, they know it, they feel, they feel it, but, they know that life goes on, you know, whereas we will, you know, have a mourning period. Someone dies, so have a mourning period. And some people just never get over it. Mm -hmm. Whereas you know, animals know that, you know, this is part of life, the cycle of life. And they mourn and then they start over again. She hadn't, she got pregnant and had another healthy baby. Hmm. They, they absolutely feel it. And, uh, you know, people used to think that dogs don't feel pain. They do. They just have a higher tolerance to pain than us weakling uh, humans. They have yeah. a high tolerance to pain. Um, are they afraid of death? No. No, they're not afraid of death. They're afraid of leaving their master or their best friend or whatever, but they don't really fear death. And so they shouldn't because animals are much closer to God than we are. They have, are very, have very simple needs. They don't have a bunch of baggage like we have. That's why you see human ghosts because we have all this baggage saying, oh, you know, I can't cross because I'm going to be you know, judged for this, or I've done that. You know, animals don't have that. It's like, yeah, baby, going home. Hmm. Rarely do you see a ghost of an animal unless it's one that was, in the old days, they used to use um, dogs as, you know, nannies and stuff. And if they die and, you know, their charge is still there, they may feel so much obligation and so much loyalty that they continue until the child is grown. Mm -hmm. It's that's the way they are. Wow. Um, yeah. You know, I had a cat when I was married and, uh, well, my first marriage and, and he was actually a crazy cat too. He would attack people and <laughs> chase kids and, and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> but he was a cool cat, and when, <laughs> uh, when when me and my wife split up, she kept the dog, and, and she <laughs> I got stuck with you the, got cat. the cat. <laughs> and, and and I took the cat, and, and and I had moved back with my parents, 
and uh-huh. my parents, especially my mom, my mom got like super attached to the cat. Uh-huh. And uh, so when I moved down, I, I left the cat and got another cat. Uh-huh. But but when the cat, the cat was old, like he had, he must have been over twenty years old. Yeah. And and one day he just came out. home. He mm-hmm. he he laid down in his usual spot on the blanket, closed his eyes, and that was it. Yeah. That's the best way to go. Yeah. There, there, there was no no indication of him being sick or anything. He just no. He was just like, all right, this is it. See, see that's another thing about animals. They know their time. They know when it's time. You know, they will. I had um, my my last uh, my male Dobie, the first set I had. He uh, was 12 years old when he died, and he came to me one one night and said, "You know, Mom, I'm ready to go." But he was kind of hanging out for me, and I told him, "I said, don't stay here for me." Just go. I said, it's it's okay. You can go. Mm-hmm. And his partner, Beauty, she stayed with him, and he just he went to sleep and never woke up again mm-hmm. that same night. So, Yeah. I also see that on that same token, like, you know, I've been with people when they've passed away. And, then, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's okay. You know, I've always been okay with that. You're right. Um, but when my, after my mom passed away of cancer, the, the the other cat that I had gotten her also ended up with cancer and had this big tumor, and they, and I had uh-huh. to, and I had to take it to be put to sleep. And I have to say that was one of the most difficult experiences I ever had. Yeah. Was watching yeah. was putting to sleep an animal. It was yeah. It was just awful. I felt so responsible. Yeah. Well, it's you know, it's kind of like um, like people. You know, when we come down, we have certain things that we that are set in stone. The time you come in, the time you leave, and the method in which you leave. Mm-hmm. So, if you come in to experience cancer and die from it, then that's what you do. And it's the same with animals. If they come down to experience life as a dog or life as a cat or a chihuahua or whatever and then they die you know that they they want to do that they want to experience that death of cancer or the death of of you know getting hit by a car or what have you mm-hmm. that sort of thing it's just the way they want it to die it's not our fault it's kind of like someone committing suicide you know, if they're meant to go that way, there's nothing anyone can do about it because that's the way the, the soul wanted to go. It wanted to experience that. And it is the most difficult thing to have to have your your animal put down because, you know, they're a part of your family. They mm-hmm. become, you know, like your children. And if, but if they're in pain, if they're, you know, if they stop eating, they stop, you know, doing anything and they've just decided that they want to go then you know you have to let them go you have to consider them and their feelings and their wants and needs yeah i guess what made that difficult was like with the people i've been with that died you know i was instructed beforehand what they were they wanted so i knew right right where with this cat i didn't 
you know, I'm like, well, right. You don't know. Well, just, this is what I'm I want. I'm just guessing. Yeah. But you know, when they're like, they know, they know how they're going to die. Animals are a lot more, a lot more connected with their soul than we are. They know when their time is up, they know how they're going to die. But we humans, of course we can't figure that out. So like I had a dog that was my husband's dog and um, she had a ve uh, vessel burst in her brain and she couldn't, her eyes wouldn't track. She couldn't walk. She couldn't do anything. And I knew she was just miserable. So we had to take her in and get her put to sleep. Mm. But it's, it's the hardest thing. Cause I mean, the dog was like 12 years old. Right. Well, I guess at least I'm not alone in, feeling that's really a tough decision. It's harder sometimes. It's harder. It's so strange that it's harder with an animal than it is with a person. I just don't. Well, with a person. Get it. You no, know, you can prepare. You can prepare for it. You know, if you know what's coming, even though you're not, you're prepared, you're never really prepared. But it does, it does, it's more awareness of, okay, this person is actively dying. And there's nothing I can do to help it. All I can do is make them comfortable. Mm -hmm. And then you have a cat or a dog that's got cancer and you try the best that you can to help them. But, you know, that's you're like a lot with a lot of people, it's money. They don't have the money to, to do the cancer treatments or whatever, uh, whatever need is needed. So, you know, and that's a part of the bad feelings as well. I don't have the money to do that. I don't have the money to put them out of their misery. I don't, you know, and that's, that's very hard. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned that, that, that animals are more spiritual than us. Mm -hmm. How is that? Like, like, like what is their connection like? Are they, they constant, very, in constant communication with, mm -hmm. with the other side? Yeah. They're in constant communication they have, uh, they don't have, quote unquote, they don't have sin. Um, they don't consciously make the decision to kill somebody or whatever. They're, it's usually done out of, you know, out of defense, self-defense, that sort of thing. So they're, they're simpler. Their souls are more direct, more forgiving. And... They, if you notice, animals can see and hear uh, the other side quite well. Right. It's just like for them, it's just oh, okay. It's just another part of you know of life. Hmm. They just they don't have our baggage, you know. It's like we have all these hangups. They're like, oh, okay, I'm gonna get to go home. All right, that's cool. Do they share some of that with us, like? One of the things, like, you know, how, how animals are have an amazing ability to comfort people. They can come, see, sometimes can, they can comfort a person better than another person. Is that yeah. because of their spiritual connection? Yeah, I think that that's, that plays a big part of it. And we know that they, you know, they're not giving you platitudes. They're, they really are feeling your pain. They really are feeling your sadness. And they're, they're giving comfort in return because they know that you are sad, that you're depressed or whatever. And 
that their ability because they're so close to the other side you know they have that link and that helps to calm people it helps to soothe people that's beautiful you know i guess that's um I wonder if there's like, because like, you know, like when you go to like, like a hospital, like where they have six ki- sick kids and, you know, mm-hmm. there's like the animal shelters will bring the animals in to, to hang right. out with the kids. Right. It, it seems like there's almost like even like some scientific basis for it. Yeah. They, well, there is in some way they found, they found they've done studies and found that humans react favorably to having a docile animal there something that gives comfort plus the energy that the dog or the cat gives off or even the llama gives off is affects the humans Mm -hmm. how about like surface animals yeah i'm not even going there we shouldn't have circuses as far as i'm concerned it's like it's not good because no matter how good you they say that they're treating them it's still it's still slavery of one kind or another. Oh no, not circus, it's service. Oh, service animals? Yeah, you know, like 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 the like vets that have the service. That's animals. what they want to do. They usually will come into the world to be uh, you know, to experience being a service animal, a, a therapy dog, seeing eye dog in service to to someone an individual. Mm-hmm. Which is which is awesome. But like I said, they choose that. It's like you or I choosing to be a doctor or a nurse or a lawyer or a baker. They choose to be a service animal or they choose to be, you know, family pet or they choose to be, you know, someone, an animal that helps someone. You know, you have the alert dogs and cats that smell cancer and things like that and, and for diabetes sort of thing hmm. are owls really wise mm. yes they're more cunning <laughs> <laughs> more cunning than quote unquote wise they are very again they watch everything they notice everything they are keen observers and so they ha- they gather a lot of knowledge, uh-huh. and it's kind of like a scientist that observes my a stud- study something. They you know owls study the world, they study their environment, and they become one with their environment. So they're very in they're very instinctive and very much they are wise in their own way not just you know intellectually Hmm. why is it they like to be heard but not seen predator (laughs) that's it in a nutshell so i was wondering actually this morning i woke up real early i went outside to let my dog out and i could Mm -hmm. hear the owls just go yeah, you know, yeah that, we have one out here. And the first thing <laughs> I thought was like, why is it I always hear them, but I never see them? <laughs> mm-hmm. no, that's why, because they're they're good camouflage. 
They don't, they don't want to be seen. They want to. They want to see everything. They don't want to be seen. But I see every other bird, I see cardinals, and finches, and all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I never see the owls. Yep, they blend in with the their surroundings, and they know they know just where to make their nests and just where to sit in the trees, so that they're camouflaged from humans and other birds of prey. Hmm. They've got um, a down pat. Well, one, here's another funny one about my dog. Um, my father, he was a super grouchy guy. <laughs> but, he, but he was also kind of cute, you know. Yeah. And then when I got my dog, yeah, my dog's super grouchy, and he's kind of cute. So sometimes, sometimes me and my wife will joke around and say that the dog is a reincarnation, ver- reincarnated of my father. <laughs> can that happen? Yeah. Uh, actually, animals can come back. As humans and humans that come back as animals, yeah. Because it's just a shell, it's just a form. If they want to experience life as a dog or a cat or a gorilla, mm-hmm. they can do that. Do they tend to stay around like some of the same same humans that they were alive what with usually, before? What usually will happen is it's kind of like when your dogs die. I had two... Dobermans that were sisters that I raised and they died within a short time of each other. We we're both 12. And my husband's like, well, do you want to find, you know, another dog to replace them? And I said, I'll know when the, when they're back. I said, oh, I'll find them. I said, until then, I said, uh, I'll just wait. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, it was about two years after they died that I found them. I'm like, I went to look at some pit bull puppies. And I'm like, I looked at the two of them. They, they had like six of them. I said, these two are the ones we want. I said, this, I said, one is, one is Jenny and one is Jewel. Mm-hmm. They, I said, they're reincarnated. And my husband looks at me like, you know, cause he's a very left brain kind of guy. He's an auditor. It's like, whatever. This is cute. This one's cute. This one's cute. I said, we're going to call them Bunny and Bella. And just like him named the other two, Jenny and Jewel. Mm -hmm. But, and they have exactly the same uh, idiosyncrasies, the same build. And they answer to their other names as well. Wow. I know. Funny. The other, the Dobermans used to stalk each other like that as well. Hmm. <laughs> the one, you know, the ones, the bigger of the two was was Jewel, and she'd look at her sister like, you know, I can see you. <laughs> you can freeze all you want, you know, I can see you. And it didn't stop uh, Jenny from freezing and then sl- moving like in slow motion, and then all of a sudden run and and hit her. <laughs> hmm. Um, These two do exactly the same thing. Yeah. I would love to be reincarnated as a cat. Well, now you have to reincarnate to a cat, to a, to a cat lover. Well, I already am a cat Somebody lover. Somebody's going to spoil him rotten. Oh, he's spoiled. <laughs> but I, I definitely want to be the cat in the next life. Yeah, see? <laughs> uh, I, want, I want his life. I always told my I always told my husband that my mother should come back as a hairless chihuahua to a fat lady. 
<laughs> and he starts laughing. He says, yeah, that, that, I like that. That sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> That's like my, my dog has a lot of the personality traits that my dad had. Stubborn, <laughs> mean, but cute. But lovable, lovable. yeah. It's funny. It's funny, you know, because they say that you get the dog you want. I mean, the dog you need, not necessarily the dog you want. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Well, I didn't even want this dog. I didn't want a dog. Oh. When, when we had went and got the dog from this place, like, first of all, the place was absolutely horrible. Oh. And, and I really just wanted to leave. But my wife's like, no, no, my aunt wants a dog. My aunt wants a dog. Uh-huh. Because it, it was originally for her aunt. And I said, okay. And I asked the guy, which one's the most mellow one? And he goes, this one. Uh-huh. And I'm like, okay, we'll take it. We took the dog. We dropped it off at her aunt's house. Yeah. And he just sat there in the corner and growled at her. Oh, it and, wasn't and, for And she was like. It wasn't for her. Yeah. She's That's like, right. I, I don't want this dog, you know. <laughs> so, because it wasn't and, for and her. I, they know who like, they're supposed to be with. I was like, well, I can't take the dog back to where I got it. You know, there's no way I could do no, that and live with it for not. myself. So. We decided yeah. to keep him. We took him to the vet. He was really sick. He had heartworms. Oh, poor baby. And um, so we had to get that taken care of. And then the first time we tried to get him fixed, yeah, he died. Like his heart stopped because oh. he, he, he couldn't breathe. And he had to restart his heart, and they couldn't fix him. And after that, he really got mad at me. Like he was super aggressive. Like he wanted to kill me. <laughs> Because I was the one I dropped. I was the one I dropped him off at the vet. Uh huh. He blamed me for it. And uh, but the doctor was like, the vet was like, well, you have to get him fixed because one of the testicles is inside him, and um, crypt orchid. Yeah, yeah and, and it has to come out, otherwise it'll become cancer. Right. So, so the second time we took him, the doctor finally got it out. You know, of course, the cost of like a thousand dollars. So, but also, <laughs> by the time everything is said and done, I had this dog that I didn't really want. He's cost me like two thousand dollars. <laughs> and but you uh, love him now. I do love him. He mm-hmm. he does keep he does his purpose. He keeps me company. Uh huh. See, you don't get the dog you want. You get the dog you need. I agree with that. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. <laughs> And, and I even see some of my own traits in him. That's scary, isn't it? It is. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. But you know what? Two of a kind. Hmm. That's okay. So one of the questions that um, was on this list that I would, I, I never follow the scripts that are given to me, obviously. Yeah, I don't blame you. I wouldn't either. But, but one of the questions he has on here is a good one. It says, uh, do animals understand the complexity of humans? They understand we're stupid. Uh, so they think we're the dumb ones. You know, they, they, they think that they have to teach us. That, you know, they have to straighten us out. That some of the things that we do, they can't, they don't understand. And don't even, like, want to try to understand. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, you know, I can hear the dog. How can you be that stupid? I'm telling you right now, I just want some of that chicken. What <laughs> what you not understand? And I don't want to sleep in that bed. I want to sleep on your bed. Mm-hmm. And I don't see why there's an issue with it. Just let me do what I want to do. 
And it's like, you know, you're going to work. It's like, why do you have to go? Why do you, where, why do you, where do you go every day? Why don't you just stay home with me? You know, I just don't get it. Mm-hmm. What, why do you need money? What is money? You know? And I used to tell them, you know, you know that chicken you get every morning? Yeah. I said, I go to work so I can get you that chicken. Interesting. Oh, okay. That's all right then. Yeah. I can't tell that to my dog. And that's funny, like, like one of the things, like when he, he, he gets mad, like we, we keep him in a crate because he's not really housebroken. Like he, he knows not to go to the bathroom in the house, but he, he'll do it anyway because he's angry. Uh, you know, it's, it's just his personality. <laughs> and, oh yeah, uh, he has, he has issues. Yeah. <laughs> he just does it because he's pissed off, not getting his way. So we keep him in a crate when we're at work and when we're asleep. Right. So he doesn't terrorize the house. Yeah. Yeah. And just, I mean, the only thing he does is he pees on everything. And um, that's a male thing. I'm not going there. It's, I mean, in a way, it's kind of funny, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, your wife doesn't appreciate it, I'm sure. No. <laughs> she hates I it. I can tell I, right now. <laughs> she, she, she gets mad at me when I pee on everything. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> You should know better at your age. <laughs> God forbid I, I missed the toilet. <laughs> right, right. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, don't even go there with me because I have clean latrines in the military, so you don't want to go there. After, on a Sunday morning, after a Saturday night, so mm-hmm. in, a, in a barracks, the men's latrine, so you don't want to go there with me. <laughs> but it's ugly. But the funny thing with him is, like, when I put him in the crate, he... I, I, he'll, he'll, that's when he gets really, really angry. He'll jump at me and try to keep me from closing the door. Right, because he doesn't want to be there in the first place. Well, he, he, no matter what, he stays in that damn crate. Even if the door is open, that's pretty much where he hangs out, no matter what. Right. But, but, but I think different. what he's mad at is that he wants me to just to, to stay there and hang out with him. Right. He doesn't like being alone. Plus, he, he doesn't yeah, care no, whether the, I interact the, with him or not. He just wants me to be there. Well, they're pack animals. Mm-hmm. You're a part of the pack. So they want to, that's why I never just get one dog. That's why when I bought, when I got the the pit bulls, mm-hmm. I got sisters. It's like, uh, it's so easy to train two of them at the same time because they're company for each other. They play with each other. They sleep with each other. They eat, eat with each other. Everything they do together. Yeah. And it's so much easier. And you always have one that will learn, you know, learn the, the way things are supposed to be before the other one will, and the other one will help to train that one. Hmm. Maybe I should get another dog. Probably. So the, you get the, what you get is you get a mellow one. Because if well, you this get a one, mellow This one was supposed to be mellow, but it just turned no, out he had heartworms. Yeah, he has attitude. <laughs> <laughs> but if you get a mellow one, one that's very, you know, very... Uh, Dominant without being dominant, mm-hmm. you know, an alpha that is mellow, then he would settle down more. Hmm. He's lonely. The cat doesn't count as far as he's concerned. He says the cat doesn't count. Well, I don't know. He spends a lot of time watching that cat. Yeah, that's the that's the operative word there, watching, not interacting. <laughs> No, they chase each other now. Well, that's that's not that's not the same. 
Oh, chasing each other around the couch doesn't count? No, that doesn't count. It's not the same as if it was another dog mm. and they can roughhouse together. The cat would probably beat the heck out of him. See, that's one of the things that concerns me is the guy that the breeder, like what we, you know, like, the place that we got, we didn't pay for him, was given to us by this breeder that was going out of business. And I think yeah. this particular dog was used as like a stud for breeding. Uh, oh, yeah. And yeah. and so he was never around people or, and he was around other dogs, but they were separated by these like concrete Wire. things. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah, and, uh, he, and the he guy didn't get who, the socialization. He yeah, used. and the guy who gave, gave him to us said that we should not have another dog with him because that he would fight. Well, that's before he got him fixed. Yeah, but he hasn't changed much since I got him fixed at all. Because he's insecure. He's very, very insecure. Hmm. And he's never sure that... This is for good. You know, he's like, he's always expecting to be shoved off somewhere else. Hmm. It's, that's, it's what he's, it's his attitude. That's what he says. That's what happens. So how do I talk to him to change that? You just send me a picture. Uh-huh. If you send me a picture, I can talk to him. Okay. Send me a picture. Tell him. Tell me what you want to tell him, and if you have questions, what your questions are, mm-hmm. and we'll, and he and I will sit down and have a conversation. All right, I'll send you a picture. Yeah, yeah. I don't have any questions for you for him. I just want him to know that I love him no matter what. That he's secure and that yep. he's not going to be given away. I mean, like that. Yeah. And he should know that because I mean. No, he, he, he pees. He pees on the floor. He chews on my leg. He's grouchy as hell, and he's still with us. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything to him. He doesn't worry about that. No, he doesn't. He do, it, to him that he doesn't see that. He doesn't equate that being able to do those things and get away with it to you're never gonna. I'm. We're never gonna give you away. You're. You're always gonna be here. Hmm. They don't. You have to just, you have to literally tell them. Hmm. Because he's so insecure. Poor guy. I know. He's just. He's a mess. He, had, he did not have a good life there. No. I, I know he had a terrible life. Yeah. I know he was not. mistreated really bad. And yeah. one of the things that, too, like, it freaks him out is whenever we wear a hat. So I'm guessing the guy who, you know, Abused him the most. Probably wore a hat. Probably it was a yeah. It was not a good thing. Hmm. Um. So what is before we wrap this up? What is the most important thing that we should learn from animals? To have respect for each other, and to always know that. Their love is unconditional, and our love should be the same way. It shouldn't be, you know, oh, you're old now, I'm going to throw you away. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're sick now, I'm going to throw you away. It's all about respecting. It, it, you wouldn't do that to your grandmother. She no. got sick or she got old. You wouldn't throw her away. <clears throat> you know, you would take care of her. Yeah. And that's the way, that's their belief system. Mm-hmm. 
if somebody's not doing well or, or somebody's getting old, you take care of them. Mm -hmm. You know, because that's what you do. Because they're part of your pack. Yeah. They're your family. Yep. That's what I have to convince my dog of. The cat knows. The cat definitely knows. Well, cat's older too and been with you a long time. Yeah, yeah. He's been with us. He's lived in like five different places with us. Traveled across yep. the country with us. Yeah. See, and he's always been with you. Yep. Well, where the dog doesn't know that, he's still insecure, still unsure. Hmm. All right, well, I'll send you a picture of him. Yeah, do, and I'll talk to him. Well, I'll talk to Maybe him Maybe I can get rid of some of too. that leg chewing. Yeah, <laughs> and the funny thing is, like, even at this point, I don't even so much mind it, you know, I don't care. Yeah. It doesn't bother me. It's kind of funny. <laughs> he chews on my leg, he grabs his hot dog, he runs it around. <laughs> You, the evening ritual. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep, it's a piece of work. So, before we wrap it up, where can my listeners find you? Um, you can go to my website, which is mysticconnections, all one word, dot org, O-R-G. And if you have um, a question about animals or you want animal communication or something like that you have an issue with your dog or what have you you can there's a page there where you can you can contact me and and it sends me an email and i talk with you all right awesome. help you out. so i will post a link to that in the notes of this episode so if anybody wants to uh use your service or need them they can reach out to you yeah i had a gentleman the other day who's contacted me is cat got out and he got lost this is the second time i've retrieved the cat i can he send me a picture i just look at the i get in connection with the cat and, mm -hmm. and got him home awesome that's fantastic nothing like taking care of animals yep that's as far as i'm concerned I, it's horrible to say but i like animals better than i do people yeah <laughs> They're less complicated. Yeah. I definitely have a, a knack for picking the difficult ones. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, it's what you need, not exactly what you want. Yeah. Or they pick me more. Or oh, less. I was going to say, it's probably the other way around. <laughs> yeah. I can't actually remember a time where I've actually picked an animal <laughs> myself. See? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I know. I know the feeling. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for being on. Thanks for having me. I always enjoy being on here on your show. Yeah, you're welcome anytime. And uh, just hang on one moment, and I'm just going to play the outro. Okay. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable on KGRA Radio. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or email him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs and other merchandise to support the costs of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of his page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. Oh yes, I almost forgot. You can buy his book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. 
It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need, and it's on Amazon. It'll change your life, because remember, everything that exists was first imagined. Hey, if you love what you listen to, don't forget, rate, review, and subscribe.